Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week. Now, we're going to go ahead and mix it up a little bit and start this week with an interview episode, but don't worry, we will still have our solo episode towards the end of this week. Now mi gente, I'm really excited to introduce a passionate and driven mujer, Karina Nava. Karina Nava is a registered dietitian. She received her bachelor's degree at Cal Poly Pomona and then furthered on her education and got her master's degree. And I was just, once I met her virtually, of course, because we are in a pandemic, but once I did meet her and I heard her passions towards her field and what she's doing career-wise, what she's doing as a business owner, as what well, being a registered dietitian as well, I just knew her story was going to impact other first-gen gente, and I just wanted to create this space where she could share her area of expertise to then maybe a couple of our first-gen gente might also get convinced to be registered dietitians. But anyways, mi gente, I'm going to go ahead and let this episode speak for itself, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah, thanks, Estrella. I'm super honored to be on this podcast, my very first podcast. And so for me, I um, currently work at a basically telehealth company called Triata. It's a supplemental gap insurance company. And I work with a bunch of different kind of patients, I guess you could say. And um, that's my full-time job. But early this year, I started my own private practice. So I also work with patients on the side and I have cooking classes and I'm able to really preach more and work with people who are tired of dieting and really want to feel more confident about their nutrition choices and also um, learn a little bit more about healthy eating and cooking. No, of course, definitely. And I have to ask, Karina, what geared you towards this path of like to be a registered dietitian? Like, please just just tell us it all. It can be from like you're from when you were first born till now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. And I know you and I were talking a little bit before we hit record about like not really knowing much about this field. So I will say. I'm super thankful for my dad who kind of guided me through as I was applying to colleges. Um, but I think my interest started when I was in high school and, and really this was um, sort of an interest that I, that I took because of personal reasons. So my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer when I was 14. And um, I mean, just our whole world turned upside down, right? Like she got this intense diagnosis, like had to go, to surgery right away. And, um, and I, as a 14 year old and the oldest of my family, I just really saw my mom go through the malnutrition stage, like all the intense chemotherapy she was getting and radiation. So it really like obviously changed her, not only physical appearance, but like nutrition as well, as well. And, I'm so blessed by our the support that we had from friends and family because they would always bring food over for us so that like we had take we were taken care of. Um, but I also remember hearing a lot of like 
recommendations or comments from friends and family, like, oh, why doesn't she try like this supplement or this like gato de uña? I remember hearing that supplement and I was like, what the heck? Like that is just so crazy to me. So um, I, I think that's what like start, sparks my interest in like, okay, how are we supposed to like feed her, fuel her body? Um, and like, thankfully we had the support of my aunt who is a doctor. So, um, I think I, I seeing that from her and then also my strong interest in my mom's health and recovery. And then not to mention, I played sports my whole life. So, so that was another piece that also made me more aware of like how to live a healthy lifestyle. So, I just remember as I was like coming to apply to college, my, my dad was just telling me like, Hey, like there's, there's this career, there's this career. And then when it came to nutrition, he was like, wow, I think this would be really great for you because like you've played soccer your whole life. Like you love sports. And then you're, you know, you're interested in like moms um, and helping mom right now. And so, but yeah, that's kind of how, how I came about that. Like thanks to my dad who helped me do some research on that. No, definitely. And not going to lie, I resonate with your dad so much because <laughs> you know how he was telling you, like, you should do this, you should do that. Da, 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 da. I literally, well, now being in my program and just looking back at my whole like education path as of now, I think back to all the majors that I know about, areas of study, and I go to my two younger sisters all the time, like, hey, you should look into this. Hey, you should look. <laughs> so I relate to your dad on that. And I'm so happy that. <laughs> He was not like, he didn't hold back. He was pretty much letting you know about all the areas where like, not only did he know what helped you grow as a person, but also professionally and whatnot. Now I do have oh, to yeah. ask, what what triggered in your mind to want to pursue a master's degree in your dietitian background? Mm -hmm. And I also want to ask too, like dietitian and nutritionist, at least to me, they sound very similar. Can you Can you talk a little bit about that too? Yes, yes, definitely. So to answer your first question, um, in our field, we, I just knew that there was, well, I guess, what am I trying to say? My, so there was a lot of recommendations in my undergrad program at Cal Poly Pomona about getting a master's degree, because that's definitely where the vision was for our field to be moving in. And in fact, I don't remember when this like rule came into place, but now in 2024, it will be required for all, um, if you want to take the national credentialing exam to become a registered dietitian, you have to have a master's. So, um, so that's something new. So I feel like my professors kept like, like chirping that in our ear, like in the future, that's going to be a requirement. You guys should really think about doing that. And so, um, yeah, that was one of the reasons why. And I think also my dad being a first gen master's degree holder himself, um, that was kind of, um, like an, another encouragement, you know, like, Oh, my dad got his master's. Like, I think I want to do that too. So, so that was definitely on top of my mind. But for me, I was very focused on like, I just want to um, become a registered dietitian first, and then I'll take a look at the master's program. And so um, maybe I should back up here and maybe tell the listeners a little bit about how to become a dietitian. Um, I think this might help my story here, but you have to have a bachelor's degree in nutrition and it has to be, your undergrad program has to um, have this accredited program or like this, this group of classes that 
are accredited. So anyway, it has to be nutrition, um, a bachelor's in nutrition. And then you have to apply to a pretty intensive internship program that is, for the most part, sponsored by like these different um, colleges. So that's where you get your 1,200 hours of like actual hands-on experience. You can kind of think of it as like nursing rotations. So once you do your 1,200 uh, supervised hours, then you're eligible to sit for the exam. Um, and like I'm saying, in 2024, now on top of that, you have to have your master's. So anyway, I I got into Utah State, and I remember going to the orientation, and um, I like sat down next to like a friend that I made, right? And and then then we had these these group of presenters. And she told me, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear about their master's program. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I had no idea. And she was like, oh my God, you didn't know they have a master's program for the interns. And she was like, that's the reason why I applied to Utah. That's why that was my number one. And I was like, oh man, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, I, I figured I wasn't going to think about masters until like I got more experience in the field. But then after hearing that presentation about its focus on, on leadership, on being an entrepreneur, on managing programs, um, being like a director for a certain department, um, it had like really spoke to me. And I think that was honestly the best decision, not only like financially, because what's amazing about Utah's dietetic internship is that they count your internship as year one of your master's. So basically that just meant I needed to take one extra year of a master's program and that's it. So I, in like, if I would have graduated from Utah state's internship program and I didn't do their master's and maybe I did my master's with long beach, for example, then that would have been like two more years. So it worked out for me in the sense of like less time, but also I felt so competent. It, it was, I'm not going to say it wasn't a lot of work, but it really was topics that I loved. I, I knew I always wanted to have my own private practice. And so I loved that part of how to be an entrepreneur, how to hire people, like the management side of things, um, like how to also, we got a little taste of like being a professor in a sense, because we had to create a curriculum and, and also like actually record ourselves and doing like a lecture and grading these exams from our colleagues. So it was such a cool experience. I'm so glad. And the master's that I'm talking about is a master's in dietetic administration. No, of course. And I, I love the fact that you just shared all this info, but the question I was dying to ask you was what, can you talk a little bit more about the exam that you had to take? Because I've talked mm -hmm. a lot about GRE, CBS, CSETs. I've touched MCATs, not fully because, well, I'm not an expert in that, but I'll potentially get an expert in that on, on the show hopefully <laughs> soon. But yeah, talk a little bit more about that exam you took. What did you do to study? And then we'll go mm -hmm. on from there. Yes. So that exam was very tough. Um, I think it was, um, oh my gosh, it's been four years now, but maybe like a three hour exam or something like that. And it pretty much covers everything in nutrition. And our field is so diverse. Like you could be a dietitian working at a hospital. Um, like if you just had surgery, then you would like, we're the ones who decide like what kind of 
food you're going to get served as you recover, right? Um, so you could work at a hospital. You could work at a school setting where you're dealing with the kid's menu. You could also work at maybe like um, specializing with patients who have diabetes or maybe even like um, teaching new moms how to breastfeed um, programs that are, you could also work at like women, infants, and children with, which is a popular route to go. So our exam covers just about all of that. It covers your food science. It covers like doing questions about um, like temperature of food and what's cooked at safety level from like what kind of medications can get in the way of someone who just had bariatric surgery or um, maybe questions about like policies and um, and more of that nutrition route. So it covers from anywhere that's very sciencey to more of like your cooking class, it feel. <laughs> so it's a very long exam. Um, and and how did I study? Um, man, I there are a lot of prep books out there. So so I had got a hold of that, and that was really helpful. It's almost like this giant study guide, and um, I basically took it by like section by section. Um, so I think it even breaks it down by like clinical food service and then like community and outpatient care. So um, I just, gosh, I think I studied for like a good month and a half. Um, and I, I, I just did a bunch of, um, repetition of like writing. I think like, like for whatever reason that helps me like stick in my brain. And also I watched a lot of videos. I think I'm a a overall, like an audio type of learner and a like visual type of learner. I mean, I don't know. Is it weird to have both of those? (laughs) I don't know. I'm the same way. So you're totally fine. But I really love that you actually went more in depth than I thought. Like this is super helpful because again, there's just so many programs that many of our first gen gente don't really know about. Now I, so just to be super, super clear, but again, I know you're not an, like a, you're an expert of only your experiences. So I totally understand that too. So I did want to ask, so the BA has to be in nutrition. It can't be like, for example, let's say somebody does their BA in, let's go with English, but they take all the prereq courses. Would that be possible? No, no, it's, it's interesting. And I remember a lot of my classmates did change their whole career um, and like they had a different bachelor's, but yeah, it has to be a bachelor's of science in nutrition um, or it has to be um, like from a dietetic program. So um, oh gosh, I forget what it stands for, but your, your, your program has to be like DPD is what I remember that comes to mind. So anyway, it's a group of these classes that those are like your prerequisites. So you wouldn't get that normally if you were to do a kinesiology bachelor's or if you were doing the English bachelor's that you're talking about, you normally don't do these group of classes that, that are required. So the classes that I'm talking about would include um, um, like counseling, so learning how to talk to do a like a counseling session. I think it would include like um, what's called a metabolism series. So you learn about how the digestive system works, basically, but like way more in depth. Um, I think 
maybe biochem is on there. So like maybe that would cross with a different um, degree. What else? Food service. That's definitely one. So that was a really fun class where we like actually cooked food. And so you have to be like aware of the safety of the food and cooking large amounts of food. Um, what are some other ones? Also nutrition through the lifestyle. Like I'm just, this is what it was called at Cal Poly. It might be called something different at, at other universities, but um, lifestyle nutrition was, or like through the life cycle, something like that was when you learned about the nutrition needs at like pregnancy, what babies need, what children need, teens, adults, older adults, like you go through that whole series. So they're very particular classes that you need in order to, be accepted into the dietetic internship, which is like the rotations that I talked about. No, of course. And I appreciate the fact mm-hmm. that you really went into detail once again, because mm-hmm. as I, I've shared before in other episodes, if you want to go to law school, just get your BA and what you know fits you best and study for the LSAT. Or if you want to go to med school, get the BAs that you, you know, again, that you desire, just make sure you take all the prereqs. But I had no idea to be a registered dietitian. It has to be so like niche, but that's, that's really good that you're like going into detail with all that. Now, um, something we've also talked about before actually hitting record was the fact that your field is so new and it's been growing, but it's still somewhat new where sometimes there's individuals and I thought so too, until you clarified it for me Mm -hmm. that see nutritionists and dietitianists somewhat the same. Can you talk a little bit about all that? Yeah. Yeah, I think kind of going back to what you were saying about school, right, where maybe you have a bachelor's that's not nutrition focused, but later on you are interested in nutrition. I think that's where you can maybe take the route of like getting certified as a nutritionist. So that's the kind of boils down to it. Registered dietitian has like the, the pretty much like the utmost type of credentialing and schooling required. Your bachelor's is in nutrition and it it contains these classes that are super focused. You took the exam and then um, you also have to maintain continuing education units. So, um, I mean, that's fun. It's not a big deal. (laughs) The science is always changing. So you can take workshops and conferences and things like that. So that's someone who's fully credentialed. And then a nutritionist is someone who did not go through the schooling, did not have a bachelor's of nutrition, maybe. So, um, and that's really the controversy. Actually, uh, all it varies in different states. So um, there's also this this whole like debate with like being a licensed dietitian. So in other states, I know Texas, for example, you are a registered dietitian and a licensed nutritionist or something like that. So. Anyway, here in California, they don't have that law. So it brings a lot of uh, conflict in the sense of like competition in a sense. So like, like I was saying, this is no offense to USA, but like you could totally run your nutrition business and not having that actual background, right? So that's kind of the, 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 the fear here. It's like, if you're going to be working with a nutritionist, like know what their background is, is did they just take this simple little online course. (laughs) Are they uh, a personal trainer at a gym and then they're just taking nutrition advice from like online or a book? Like that's a nutritionist. But a registered dietitian, you have 
more of the science understanding, you have the hands-on experience and you are staying up to date with nutrition trends and things like that. So, and again, it's not to say that like nutritionists are terrible. And I think also if you maybe were a mental health therapist, or maybe you have a background in, um, like I was saying, maybe you are a teacher and then all of a sudden you felt like you wanted to do a B and a nutritionist, like you could take all these other courses and not have to go back to school. So, um, so that's sort of like where the line varies with a nutritionist who's maybe someone not credentialed versus a registered dietitian who has that like credential. No, of course. And could a nutritionist, like, as you mentioned, let's say you were a teacher your whole life, but then you get this burning desire, like, no, I want to one day have my own private practice. Could they potentially get their master's in dietitian? Oh, that's a good question. If you don't know the answer, that's okay. But I think it's a good combo (laughs) to have. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can. Because I've seen especially like nurses or maybe um, physical therapists, I, I feel like I've seen or known people who go the nursing route, but then they get a master's in nutrition. And so again, like you don't have to be a registered dietitian. You're very qualified as a nurse, right? You know a lot of the science, but you can call yourself a nutritionist because you have that master's. So um, I, I believe it's not required to be a registered dietitian to hold a master's degree in nutrition. No, of course. No, yeah, of course. And even (laughs) even if this answer isn't 100% clear on this podcast, you could Mm -hmm. always go back, mi gente, and just research it yourself. Because, of course, um, Cafecito con Estrellita is a Latinx podcast that guides first-gen scholars. And we use the word guide because, of course, we're only experts in our experiences. But these conversations that we do have, I do hope that they can open up your minds even more than they already are to research these other areas of interest, you know? No, yeah. definitely. And then, all right, Korean. now I definitely have to ask, can you, you know, you told us how like your master's was definitely focused on how to have your own business in your area of expertise. Talk about your business, how it's going, where mm-hmm. it all started. I, I want to hear it all, especially if we have our first gen gente who are genuinely interested to get to know more about it. Yes, my business is Karina Nava Nutrition. And, and it's, the way that it started is just so interesting and I think will be a really great way to remember 2020 because it really was a year of like, Hey, why not? What do I have to lose? So, so going back, I, I mentioned, I always in, in, during my undergrad and learning about what it meant to be a dietitian and like really studying nutrition, I felt like I, I envisioned myself as having my own private practice in the future. We also at Cal Poly had um, a class where we had a ton of speakers talk about their experience. And then I was in a club where we had speakers talk about their jobs too. And, and it was something about those private practice dietitians that was like, oh my God, I can't wait to do that. And for whatever reason, like in school, maybe it was the professors, maybe it was just the culture. It always was like ingrained in the sense of like, oh, you have to have a lot of experience. So I always imagine myself being old, having a private practice, you know, like, oh, my career way down the road. Um, but as I was going through my master's program, I realized, like, maybe this doesn't have to put a hold. Maybe we, I don't have to wait until I'm, like, fully experienced, right? So um, 
So I started my business this year with the amazing encouragement from my sister. She studied communications and um, also has a, oh gosh, if she's listening, I'm probably messing this up, but she also did public relations. So visually, she's also an amazing person, like always like really creative. So um, she had this job where she was using Canva a lot and had to do a lot of these designs. And then at her new job, she started to work with like the social media stuff. So it literally was like kind of out of nowhere where she was like, oh my gosh, I have a great idea on what you can do when you start your own business. And, and I think she said that because like, of course, like I will, would casually like talk about like having my own private practice. And then out of nowhere, she was like, Hey, I made your logo on Canva. And so then I was like, Oh my God, what? Like, are we doing this? And she was like, you should do it. And so anyway, it just kind of came out that way. Um, and then especially with like zoom being so popular, I feel like that opened up a really great avenue for telehealth. So I was, I had to transition and, um, I couldn't see patients face to face. So I had to do appointments over the phone. So I felt like, you know what? I feel like this is a great avenue to explore. Like I, why not? I can be home and I can work with people. And so I started promoting my services on, on Instagram. And I mean, now I have a website. I've had quite a bit of one-on-one clients. I will say more so acquaintances, but, but, um, also some, some actually like, random local people too. So that's been great. Um, Yelp has helped for that. And then I decided to do virtual cooking classes. So I love this part about my business because it's a really fun way to, to really like take the ease or pressure off of like having to follow a perfect diet. And I just really want people to know that eating healthy should taste good. You know, don't be eating boring broccoli if you're not a fan or plain chicken and asparagus. Like, Food can taste so much better than that. So um, I've been so blessed to get a lot of support from friends and family, and they've joined the class. So I, I really like that avenue. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm planning another virtual cooking class in January next month, and um, I want to focus on, like, a Mexican theme. So I'm excited to, 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 learn, to teach people about, like, our traditional foods and and a lot of these recipes I've learned from my mom so I had to ask like hey mom is it okay if I peek and give out your recipes so so she's been great um but at the same time like I've kind of taken my own spin on it because um it I mean she cooks amazing tradition traditional food but sometimes I you know you gotta switch it up a little bit um and so that it's easier for those who are not very comfortable in the kitchen so so yeah that's where I'm at with my business today no, of course. And well, first things first. So it was your sister that put the little watermelon slice on your logo. Mm. Oh, was it? You know what? How did we come up with that? It is so uh, cute and aesthetically oh, pleasing. So I just have cute. to tell you, it's like, you have to check it out. Me there. her logo is oh. so, so cute with the little watermelon, but go on. Oh, okay. So that was made by my cousin who studied graphic design. So incredible support from her too. So our, like my logo kind of evolved. Like my sister made something that was different on Canva and it had, yeah, it had little fruits. It had like a strawberry and a watermelon. And then I forget like a lemon. Right. And then um, when I had my cousin help me, because we were like, well, she studied this, like maybe she can give us some better input. Um, My cousin was the one to play around with it. And I don't even know if like, 
maybe I told her I wanted the watermelon more than the other fruits. <laughs> but but anyway, the way my cousin designed it was is like beautiful. It's like, oh my God, that's so cute. Exactly what it, what we were looking for. So um yeah, I I I would say I don't know if that has like much of a symbolism, but um it's just I I, I love that. <laughs> No, of course. Well, watermelons are delicious with tahin, sin tahin, sal. Maybe there is more. Oh, oh my it's, God, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe there's more symbolism than we think. It's just in our subconscious mind. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yes. And then, okay, website. Your website is phenomenal. So, mi gente, I've definitely told her before, and I've mentioned it on our panel we had during Latinx Heritage Month. I love her website to the point that when I was designing my own, which I mean, I'll eventually do another design cleanup for it, but it's just not right now, but it will happen. Anyways, mm -hmm. I definitely, her website was one of the ones I used a lot for reference because it's just so nice. And the way the I don't remember if there, if you have reviews on your website or just if you called them something else, but you do have it, but it just looks so clean cut. And then you even have like your, what your areas of study, your degrees placed on it, which I also got that idea from you. So I'm just saying your website, I'm in love with it. Like, how did that go about? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that website. So I have a friend. Again, I feel like it's all about networking. I'm my cousin, my friend, my sister. So um, I, I have a friend who started his business, I believe, this year. Maybe it was last year. But his business is more so um, search engine optimization, SEO. And um, part of the package was getting a free website. So so anyway, I, I um, got a lot of support from him. And and he was very patient with me as far as like what to change about the website and things like that and like what to include. And I would say, yeah, it was a lot of work. And, and I, I think at that point when I decided to work with him, I guess I was like on the fence about like, do I need a website? Should I get a website? And then I just figured like, well, I'm what the heck, I might as well just do it supporting a friend. And I didn't realize how much work goes into it. I mean, even still, I feel like I'm, I'm editing and, like updating and making changes. But um, I mean, even from the like about me section, it's like, uh, what do I want to say about myself? <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, that's how it went about. And so I, I don't know much about SEO, but I know it's this, this catchy um, word this year, or like, I don't know, maybe it's an, an older tech thing, but I feel like I keep hearing it in the like entrepreneur nutrition world and how like it really helps with boosting your views on your website and getting more people, getting more traffic. So, so I'm working on writing more blogs so that, I mean, not only to educate those who want to potentially work with me or anyone in general, but as a way to help gear more like keywords so that your name pops up as like people type dietitian near me or dietitian um services or something like that so so yeah I'm, I'm super happy about the way the, the website turned out 
No, yeah. And I definitely love it too. And I love the fact that, well, number one, I noticed that your sister, she also has your website on her IG handle. <laughs> that just shows how supportive she is. And I love it so much because my sister, Karina, who I always talk about, the intern, um, she she does a lot of support too. Like every time I post anything, it goes straight into her story. And then she has the website on the link, on like her Instagram bio link. So I just, I think it's great. I think it's really good to be close to your siblings in the sense where it's like they want to help you and it comes so unconditionally, you know? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, and I know I've talked a lot about my sister, but I will say my brother has been an important piece too. And um, obviously not to mention my husband, like very, very supportive, but I would say like the more hands-on, right. It's like my sister, my brother and I, um, and a, a friend of mine was, um, she's starting her uh, business of like a business coach. So anyway, I worked with her and, um, but back to my brother, it's, it's, it's so great to get that support. And he, I just noticed, like, I don't go on his IG profile, but uh, you know, that often. Um, and then I just noticed he had a little section about me and the, his highlights. I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. But also when we were promoting one of our, one of our cooking class events, he was texting like all his friends who he thought would like really want to know about nutrition. And he even told one of his friends like, Hey, um, or so my, to join the class, like you have to pay me through Venmo. Right. And so I got a little message that said, um, Oh, like paying you for the nutrition cooking class. And this is a plus Marcos's discount. And then I, texted him I was like what what you have a discount he was like oh yeah I told my friend that um it's like five dollars off like there's a discount because you're my friend and he said I'm gonna pay the difference to help support you I was like oh you're so sweet so like he even thought of this like great marketing strategy to give his friend a discount because he was willing to pitch in that like five bucks to to help get this um his friend to join my class because he felt like oh she loves cooking like she would really benefit from that so so yeah everyone has been pitching in <laughs> I totally love that if that doesn't say la familia I do not know what mm-hmm. does now <laughs> sorry I'm just giggling and whatnot now I have to ask like how was it when you did your first virtual cooking class how did it feel um it was great I mean not to say that I'm like a like an expert or anything but I don't know. I think I just, I just love, I love talking to people. I love talking about food. And so the first class that I did was actually um, more so to help out my sister because she is a volunteer for the Alzheimer's Association. So she um, put on this event called the longest day in June. And so she, she asked me, I forget how we came to that conclusion, but we were like, okay, because of COVID, we can't get together normally you do like a different kind of event. Like in the past, we did like a wine and cheese night with our friends and family. We went on a hike. And so this time we did the virtual cooking class and um, I've done cooking demos and and demonstrations like that um, ever since my, like I started becoming a dietitian. So, so I felt very comfortable talking about food and like showing people how to prepare a recipe um, and I've done quick little ones like my previous jobs or I've done like more elaborate ones. So, so I think thanks to my experience in my other jobs, that's how I felt super comfortable. Um, but not to mention this class just, I feel like it kicked off to a great start 
I, I will say, they, I wish we had bloopers because I accidentally put my tripod in the hummus. So, so I'm not perfect, but um, I just had to like roll with it and pretend that it didn't happen. Um, but what was so great about this class is that it was Mediterranean inspired. And during my master's program, I had the chance to study abroad in Greece. It was a 10 day program to study the Mediterranean diet. Like, the the best trip ever. I mean, we took classes and workshops from like um, farmers. We went on a hike with a botanist, learned about the different plants. We also took various cooking classes from like local chefs. We learned about how food is farmed and how where food comes from and like how they do all the harvesting and stuff like that. So I really got in touch with like the traditional culture in Greece. So I feel like I was really able to bring that to my class. So um, that's what made it really fun and personal. And and so I, I'm, I'm so happy to, with the way that it turned out. Everyone was super, um, they, they loved the recipes. It was simple and easy to make. And then they also learned a little bit about the health benefits. So, so it went so well. That's so awesome. I'm really happy to hear all that. So then I'm assuming, maybe you already answered, but just to get it clarified, do you also offer coaching through your business? Oh, yes, yes, through my business. So not only the the cooking classes, but also the one-on-one coaching where we do um, counseling session, or I lead a counseling session. And um, and it's for, for those who are wanting more of that one-on-one attention or work. And, and I really like to focus on like how to help people take care of their health, how to eat healthier, how to focus on their specific nutrient needs without having to diet. So, so during these one-on-one sessions, we talk a lot about like behaviors around food. So like maybe, um, if they're feeling a lot of guilt around eating certain foods or maybe for people who have been on a ton of diets and are tired of that and want to find like a better way to approach health. Like we, I really get down to the nitty gritty of like the psychology of food and how that interacts with our food choices. And also definitely like teaching moment for, for people who maybe want more support with like, Hey, I want a meal prep, but I just don't know how. So we'll talk like about specific things that someone might be able to do. So this basically is a very individualized approach. Um, and not only people who maybe have done a ton of diets, but I've helped of various, like various different kinds of people. So, um, I had one woman who was diagnosed with prediabetes and she was just really concerned about like, how do I take care of my health without going crazy with obsessing of over sweets and, and obsessing over like strict dieting and stuff. So I was able to help her. Um, I've also had maybe patients who have had, um, reflux. So like, um, problems with, with certain foods, cause that would cause a lot of maybe acid coming up to their esophagus or uncomfortableness. I've had patients who just flat out don't really know where to start with healthy eating. So it's a one-on-one session where I can guide my clients in learning how to have healthier behaviors and a healthier relationship with, with, with food. Because the thing about diets is that like, maybe you're given some structure. It seems great at first. You do everything on the plan, the 30 day eating plan, like super well, but then like what happens after that? So I am a big believer of teaching people about nutrition 
how to make it work for their lifestyle so that they can build on these habits and it becomes a part of their new routine. So that's what you can expect with a one-on-one session. No, and I what I really love about the way that you do your sessions is the fact that you even touch about the psychology and the behavior that goes behind an individual's relationship about food. Now, I know behind the scenes we were talking about if we could have like a quick, I don't know, like five-minute example of how one of those sessions would be. And I wanted to use myself as an example. (laughs) So as I kind of shared with you in the past, um, I definitely, well, I I still have pizza and hamburgers. That's just not going to change. However, what I've been doing for a while is if I'm going to have my hamburger, I'm going to make sure that my fries are either all vegetables or I half it off like veggies and then fries. And then maybe I'll eat it more during the early afternoon instead of like late at night, like how I used to back during undergrad. Anyways, but I cannot lie to you and say that the holidays are like, they're my weak point, if I'm going to be honest, because I go to these parties, like holiday, well, okay, there's not really holiday parties right now because of COVID, but it's just been a long thing of mine where I'm just like, once the holidays hit, it's just like, there's still veggies in the diet, just not as consistent in the past. So Karina, can you share some feedback on that? Like how myself as a client with be with you during a one-on-one session after giving you my info. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's so much when it comes to nutrition and, and this is what I enjoy about my time with clients is like, there's one, not one conversation can tell me a lot about like how people view food. So anyway, I, I, pre- I like that background that you gave me, but this specific example, I feel like, I mean, it's very different for everyone, but I can tell you want to enjoy your typical foods like pizza, hamburgers. And, and I get it. You're not alone in the sense that when the holidays come, it's sort of like, yeah, screw it. What's the point of eating healthy anymore? So, so anyway, I, I think it, my, my tips are very individualized. Like I said, I really like to learn about everyone's lifestyle from like when you wake up, what you do, what your energy levels are like. So maybe in this case, it, I feel like what I'm getting from you is that, you struggle a little bit when it comes to parties, not maybe not sure about what to put on your plate, or maybe there's like this guilt around not making it the healthiest as possible. So, so some things that I would suggest with how to have, how to tackle holiday parties is maybe thinking about your behaviors earlier in the day, or maybe your behaviors at the party. So maybe I think what I hear from a lot of people is, um, oh, I'm going to this party, going to this pozzada, uh, I'm not going to eat anything so I can save up my calories. So I would suggest focusing and using a different approach. So maybe like make sure you eat breakfast, make sure it's something nutritious like oatmeal with fruit or maybe you're making like an omelet with some veggies or something like that. Have your snack, have lunch for sure. Try not to skip meals leading up to your holiday party. And then that way, you know that you're getting energy, you're getting nutrition throughout earlier of your day. And so you're almost like less likely to kind of make rash decisions. And that's what typically happens like biologically when we don't have enough food. Of course, we go in this like starvation mode and try to make up for what we miss. So, so I feel like that helps us staying on track on like eating quote unquote normal, I guess you can say at a party. Or I think we, we then maybe if you were my client, we would talk about um, why it is that certain foods cause some of that guilt. Like what kind of conversations did you have growing up about maybe 
um, eating too many tortillas or not having enough veggies on your plate and maybe talking about like, well, what feels comfortable for you at the moment? What are you ready to make a change in? Or maybe not. Maybe talking about like what you're doing well and, and reinforcing those behaviors so that it's more of like a consistent pattern. So so yeah, that might be my my tips for you. <laughs> no, definitely. And well, me hint that you got a really short, like accelerated version of like what could happen in a conversation with Karina during her one-on-one session. So I, I hope that wins you over. Mm-hmm. Now, Karina, before we like even you know, end this episode, I just have to ask, especially because again, you are an expert in your experiences and the field you're currently in, what kind of tips or like bullet points or whatever you want to call it, what can you tell our first gen gente about the types of, you know, meal plans, meal preps that they should consider for themselves if they want to feel themselves feeling stronger during their days as an academic student? Yeah, um, I remember those days. <laughs> not of, not enough time to cook, not knowing how to cook even. I mean, even though I was a nutrition student, I will say like I burned so many dishes, like, you know, food does not taste like what the recipe said it would. So, so I think it really comes down to doing some reflection on like, what are your abilities in the kitchen? If you know that you are not that good at following a recipe, then maybe find something that's super basic to start off. Like we don't grow up being chefs or we don't grow up being chefs right off the bat. I mean, you know, those skills definitely in the kitchen, like you have to build on them. So, so in college, especially maybe it's your first time living away from your parents. And so, um, if you're living, you know, on your own. So I would say take things super slow, um, especially with meal planning. There can be this like expectation of your meals to look so elaborate, so well put together. Um, but sometimes just something as simple as like maybe making soup with veggies um, and having, making extra and then packing that for lunch the next day, like that could be a way of meal prepping. It doesn't have to be so elaborate. So I would say like, start slow with your cooking abilities. Also, when it comes to meal planning, start slow too. Like you don't have to plan for the entire week because I experienced personally and with a lot of um, my clients, like you're going to get tired of eating the same thing. So um, maybe just plan to cook two different things and then see how that goes as you adjust. Because I remember a lot of times too, like my, I would cook, but then like friends would say like, Hey, let's go grab Chipotle or let's go, go to the library and like, we'll just eat after or something like that. Right. And, and then I would like, feel like, Oh, great. I'm throwing away all this food because I cooked for the whole week. So when you meal prep just two meals, it allows that room for flexibility of still hanging out in that social aspect. Um, yeah. And then also another tip would be like, if cost is something that, that is a, a challenge because let's face it I mean in college that's what it was for me um I I love shopping at the 99 cent store (laughs) it's it's really great I mean they have good options for fruits and vegetables but also um maybe at like a different grocery store you can focus on the frozen fruits and veggies the fruits easy to add maybe to like cereal or easy to add to maybe the smoothie. And then when it comes to veggies, you can just pop that into the oven, pop that into the microwave and you have a side dish right there. Um, So those are some tips considering like budget wise, you don't have to shop at these super expensive stores to eat healthy. Um, And don't get me wrong. I love Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, but you can definitely shop just in the produce section. And that could be inexpensive, especially if you're buying things that are in season. 
No, yeah, definitely. And I love how you brought up in season because that is so true. Now, Karina, before we officially end this episode, I just have to ask, would you like to share where people could reach you? Any any last, you know, tips, quotes, whatever you want to share. The last few minutes is completely yours. Yeah, thank you. Well, if you are all interested in learning more about how to have a healthy relationship with food, how to really um, nourish your body from a non-diet point of view, you can follow me at karina.nutrition. Um, you can also visit my website, karinanutrition.com, to learn more about the services that I offer. I, I think it's super important to make time for our health. And I think it, I think a lot of people are on the right track. I, what, I, what I'm finding is a little bit challenging is because of how impacted diet culture has become. I mean, not, not even like what we hear from the weight loss industry, but like I would say even in our own traditional um, Latino culture, right? We are always, or at least me, I always remember always hearing like my tias, like what diet they were on. Um, even like when I was getting married, one aunt was like, no, what's dieta? aren't you going to go on a diet? I'm like, no, like what? <laughs> I, I, I don't see myself doing that because it's just added pressure, added stress. So if, if you are interested in learning more about nutrition, um, those, that's where you can find me. Um, if you also have questions about the dietitian route and, and how, how to get more experience, um, definitely reach out to me, send me a message on Instagram. I'd be happy to provide some guidance and, and some mentorship because I know there are not enough Latinas in our field. I mean, I think there's only three or 4% of dietitians who are Latinas and, and knowing the number of, of patients who have diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, that's our community. And so when patients have a healthcare provider who can speak to them in their own language, when someone understands the food and, and understands the culture, like that is so valuable to their care and their treatment plan. So we need more Latinas in this field. No, of course. And just like we've always, you know, talked about and really mentioned in our panel, representation matters. And I love the fact that you even gave a good rough number and statistic wise, like there's only about, you said, three to four percent of Latinas in your field, correct? Yes, I, I believe that's the statistics based on the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics as of like 2020, maybe. I think I read up on that recently. So um, absolutely. I mean, Latina or Latinos, men too. There's not a lot of men in the field, but um, but you can, you know, that it's, it's not one way or the other, of course. Like we just need representation, like you said. We need to have people who... Um, patients can feel comfortable with talking. And, and a lot of my patients have expressed that to me, like, oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so happy. You almost become their therapist because they, they're not able to, to really express themselves to their doctor or to their nurse if maybe the, they're not Spanish speaking. So um, I, I really see the value in having more representation in the nutrition field. No, of course. And oh my goodness, Karina, I enjoyed this episode with you so much. Mi gente, please don't forget to subscribe, review our podcast. Well, my podcast, but Karina, she was here, so <laughs> it's a part of her too. Um, Cafecito con Estrellita on any platform that you use to listen to your podcast too. And ah, I can't wait to tune in with all of you on our next episode. <laughs>